This is the MLW Radio Network. Hey, this is former WWE superstar and ECW original, The Blue Meanie. And Josh Chernoff. And uh, we're excited to announce that Mind of the Meanie is now powered by the MLW Radio Network. Myself and Josh Chernoff will bring you a show every week where we talk about everything from wrestling, movies, sports, and useless knowledge. But most importantly, we have a great group of neighbors there with front row material. Absolutely. Front row material. We've got Mike Freeland. We've got Mikey Whipwreck. And we have got hashtag... This is Jerry Lynn. You're welcome again for that. I love to be here with you guys. I'm glad to call you neighbor. Maybe I'll stop over for uh, some extra coffee or a cup of sugar or have a slice of dropped pie. Ditto. Please tune into Mind and the Meanie. Please keep supporting Front Row Material and we'll be a part of this great MLW radio network. Front Row Material presents The False Finish. Welcome in, Mikey Whipwreck, and your host, Mike Freeland. Well, we have. They, they don't know that this is part two, but it's actually the same night as part one. We're just doing why it do at the do same it? time to be efficient. Why do, you, why do you do this to me? Why do you fucking kill God I'm, damn I'm it. From, why are you killing the gimmick? ECW. We don't lie to the fans. You're also out of business. We're not. So we got part two of the PCO interview. I'm in a bad mood this week. Why are you in a bad mood? Remember I told you on last week's episode that we recorded four hours ago? God. And I said I lost 13 pounds. This I still nice. only lost 13 pounds. I've plateaued. Even though this is next week, it's still four. It's still the same episode, the session we've had from before, from uh-huh. part one. So technically, never, I, haven't lost, I haven't lost any weight this week. We never... We never get this right. We can never literally fuck to the stick to the storyline. Never. Storyline? There's no storyline. There's a goddamn storyline. When you do ball, if you do a ball tape, you got to pretend like it's sequentially the next episode, right? Yeah. You've done block tapings before. Well, technically, 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 we are going in sequential order. Because you're trying to give the people the false sense that this is recorded a week later when really it's it's only been fucking five hours. Why? Why? Let's get, God damn it. What else is going on with you? I don't know. Same thing as fucking four hours ago. Okay, we're done. You know what, what guys? Let's just get right to PCO. Let, let's throw it to someone who's professional. Here's part two of our discussion with PCO. I did a lot of things in this business. At one point, I was sending a, a FedEx, a one, one different FedEx. Sorry if I'm laughing. But uh, I was not laughing at I was not laughing at that time. It was pretty. But I was I sent for a year in a row. I sent a FedEx a day to Vince's office. (laughs) What? Yeah, for a full year with a different story in the FedEx. I sent a different message every day for a full year. I sent a FedEx to Vince. One time I was in Montreal at the um, Bell Center. I had like exchanged a few uh, few emails with John Laurinaitis. So uh, I've met with John twice during that day. So, you know, TV taping, it started at 11 a.m. So he came to me, spoke once, and then and he said, okay, I'm quite busy. I'm going to speak to you a little bit later. And then we spoke again because I had worked with him in Japan. 
for All Japan Pro Wrestling in 2000. So I had toured with them. So I became pretty good friend with John Laurinaitis. So um, he's trying to help me a little bit, I think. He was good to me. And uh, But that day, again, he didn't come up with a tryout match or anything. So I said, okay, I'm going to talk to the man himself. You know, I'm going to wait for Vince. So I'm waiting. It's 1 a.m. in the morning. So I've been there since 11 a.m. Now it's 1 a.m. So uh, I go. I just saw him. He got in his own locker room. So I went to the locker room, and there's two huge bodyguards there, like 6'6", 350 each. Monsters, like, really. So I go, uh, yeah, can you tell Vince that Pierre Carvalet is here and wants to talk to him? So one get in the locker room, the other one stays with me. Uh, Vince has left, but I, I'm not crazy. I know he can't go out. Like, you know, you know, those <laughs> arena when you're in a locker room, you have to go by a main door. You just can't get then- out of the there's no way you can't get out it's a small locker room it's a referee locker room and just for himself that's Vince locker room you know I know he can't go out so yeah I'm thinking I'm thinking they really think I'm stupid so uh there's two bodyguards I've told them I've told them I've worked I worked for Vince before I was part of this company I just want to have a word with him so it's now he's gone oh I said okay I wait another 15 minutes. He's coming with the two guys. <laughs> I go, hey, Vince. He both guys jumped me on the throat. They're ready to beat me up. Vince goes, no, 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 guys. No, don't touch him. Don't touch him. It's okay. It's okay. And then they go, uh, I got nervous a little bit because I thought I was going to have to fight those those two guys. You know? So I go, uh, he goes, hey, Carl, what can I do for you? I said, well, Vince, I'd like, you know, to be get back and work for you, get a chance, you know, have an opportunity. So this, yeah, just talk to John about that. <laughs> so I, I spend the whole day with John to talk to me to go back to John. So that's just one of the moments, like, I have plenty, I have plenty of moments like that. Like, 2003, I open up the show, Raw in Montreal. People are, like, on their feet after the first match they're just chanting my name I'm thinking I'm having a job for sure I mean it's, this is so good so crazy and everything people remember me I, I don't know whatever the match is good uh, John Laurinaitis called me two weeks after so, oh man creative don't have anything for you 2005 I'm supposed to have a match against the Jacques student so, John, can you have a match with that kid? He looks like sloppy and he looks like he can't work. I said, no, no I know him. I've, I've worked him before. I can have a, a good match with him. Then Jock comes in. No, no, man. It's, it's, it's not a five-minute match. You have to go like 12 to 14 minutes with Eric. Eric is my guy. Eric is good. I said, Jacques, that's not me making the decision. That's John Laurinaitis. He wants a five-minute match. He wants me to hit him with my finish, and he wants a good start and you know, he wants to start raw in a dark match with people, like, going crazy. So I was supposed to give him big lariat. So Jacques doesn't want it. So he pulls the guys out and says, oh, okay, you don't like my guy. It's all right, so you won't have a match. So I ended up not having a match. So, you know, like things like that. And then 
you know, all the FedEx. And then the, another time I had like uh, supposed to do uh, a meeting with John Laurinaitis at the office. And then he goes, you, you pick any date in July. And any Monday, Tuesday in July, anyone that you want. And we'll give you, you know, good opponent and we'll give you good chance to shine and really want to help you out, you know. So I'm choosing, I, I think it was July 21st. And the uh, year was like 2007 or 2008. That was after uh, I've met with... Uh, Yeah, that was another story where in England, I was wrestling in England when I, I left the TV stations and I went in England. And I was supposed to meet with John Laurinaitis, but he couldn't make it. So he was not on that trip, but I was supposed to have a tryout match and it wasn't there. So I had put up like a storyline for me and Shawn Michaels for a match at WrestleMania and then below uh, the whole scenario in it. So uh, I go, is John Laurinaitis here? No, he's not there. So I go up to Sean and then Sean, I ended up to him to the envelope and he says, I'll make sure it goes in the right hands. And it did. And then that's what he offered me that, that tryout. Uh, and Mohegan Sun, um, Connecticut. So I'm supposed to be there for Raw and SmackDown. So I do my Raw match. And it sold out the curtain. Not the curtain, but the gorilla position where you got Vince, Sean, Patterson. Uh, I mean, a lot of people. And the match, I didn't click. You know, I, uh, I knew, like, I was fighting since the afternoon. I wanted to do, like, let's say a move. And they said, no. Ah, it's not going to look good. I said, you never saw it. Why you, you don't let me try it? Nah, I don't know. And then I would show it on my phone because I had practiced it. So, ah, nah, don't do that. And then I'm trying to do something, and then the agent goes, nah, it's not going to work. So I felt like everything I was trying to start something new, like to bring something new, uh, I got a barrier, you know, like it was the tide was going against me. And to top everything off, I had like made like a nice blonde side. I was starting like straight and going sideways, like a very UFC type of deal, like very stylish Mohawk with uh, blonde in it. And it was looking really cool. And I had good comments all day. And then 10 minutes before I, I get called to a gorilla position, John Laurinaitis said, Vince thinks your your haircut looks like a jobber haircut. You know. So what? Yeah. Yeah, he thinks you look like a jobber with that haircut. Hey, <laughs> I'll cheer someone up before his tryout match. So I said, I'm going to help you out. We're going to shave your head. So they shaved my head. So they took my look away from me. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. So I... You know, when, when something happened like that 10 minutes before you're ready for your match, it's a big jab on your mouth, you know, mentally. You know, it's, it's quite tough. You out of the moment. Yeah, yeah. You need to be very strong mentally to to go against that, you know. It throws you off your shoes. And uh, I did the match. And I had a couple of spots that people really popped hard. 
but I knew the match wasn't what it was, you know, what I was looking for or what they were looking for. So John, we went into his little office after that, and he said, uh, what did you think of your match? Well, I, I, think, I think they popped on the spinning elbow. They popped on, like, a couple of things. But I said, chemistry wasn't there. Like, it didn't work out well with me and that guy. Well, he said, well, don't bother to come to uh, SmackDown tomorrow. We'll just take your car and, and, and just bring it back to Montreal. Drop it off there. We'll pay for the fee. So I didn't, didn't even fly back home. I drove for Morgan Sun Arena back to Montreal that same night. Well, my my morale was totally like, man, you know, I don't know if you could imagine how I felt. You know, I really felt like I didn't feel like I was like. Uh, you felt like so shit. important. Yeah, I felt like shit basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say I felt like a piece of shit. <laughs> you know, that's how I felt. Like you feel that way sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I it's, guess. It's a- it's okay. It's 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 up to you to pick yourself back up and to show them that what you're made of, you know, that that you're not gonna break or you're not gonna crack or, you know, that yeah. you have the, enough morale to believe in what you do. And then, if not, I wouldn't have been. You you would have never seen me, uh, and driving in Louisiana, in New Orleans, yeah. you know. If I didn't believe in myself, that's why, you know, the Kenny Johnson, you know, I can't even like, I don't even have enough of a show to, to go on all the failures that I had to go through in order to get the success, you know, you know, that I became the ROH world champion and then uh, six man world tag team champion and the world tag team champions and the Crockett Cup and then the AWA world tag team champion and the GCW extreme uh, champ and the, all the titles that I got, you know, last year and in 2018 and all the success that I got through the last, you know, two, three years. And, you know, the great contract that I've signed with ring of honor, you know, like overall it have been like a three year deal, which, you know, which is a great contract. And, uh, you know, I've been through a lot, you know, so I, I think, you know, uh, I didn't steal anything from anyone and uh, uh, I've always worked hard and uh, yeah, that's the thing, you know, it's, uh, that's that's how it is. I guess I mean, the thing that's always kind of confused me is why is it, and, and Mike, you can jump in here on this one as well, Sabu had made a comment once before about what's the point of having a tryout match when you've already work for the company and that has always kind of gotten up my crawl because you know who i am you know what i'm capable of doing maybe you guys can shed some light on the purpose or the rationale of you need another tryout match i I don't get that hey listen i'm gonna surprise you but you'll remember that i think it was in 2001 or 2002 the saturday night me and Jacques were in Montreal and we're wrestling the Road Warriors. The Road Warriors. And it's a Saturday night. And I'm having a discussion with Mike and Animal, you know, and Hawk and Animal, Joe. And they're telling me, sorry, my phone's going crazy. <laughs> but uh, they're, uh, they're telling me, hey, we're having a tryout this Monday on Raw. 
and they had a tryout match against Rob Van Dam and Kane, the Road Warriors. I mean, they've sold out every building possible in the world, and they had to go to a tryout. So I think for me, it's just uh, it's it's a way of showing you that uh, that they're the boss and the They have the power, and it's a, it's a way to uh, almost test your ego, you know. Like basically, if you if you have an ego, you're gonna say. If you have an ego, and you don't have any power, any level, you know, you, you're 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 working for, you know, you don't have the leverage to deal. No one I'm saying, uh, Mikey. You know, like, uh, yeah. let's say, uh, if you're with WCW and you're the champ there, and then they want you to go there, they're not going to have you to try out. They, they they want you because, you know, they did it with the Hardys at WrestleMania like two, three years ago when they brought them in from, I think it was from Ring of Honor to WrestleMania, and they had a ladder match for the title, and they picked up the title that same night. Because the Hardys, they had leverage. They were over. They yeah. meant something. But it's like me, like when I was sending FedEx or uh, I, I had worked for them, but I didn't have any leverage to deal. So basically, you know, if a young guy wants to break in, personally, I would tell him, get over in this business before you try to deal something. Because if you're trying to go through their system, it might take a long time because they're going to think you deserve to be over when they're going to think you deserve to be over. I think, you know, Kenny Omega went to Japan. Brian Cage went to Impact. They all quit on them because it was taking too long. Um, You want to have like your... it's It's not like you really have your destiny in your hands, but at least... You can do something. You can book yourself. You can try to get over by yourself. You, now you, you got a great ND territory. I mean, there's, you know, companies like Beyond, GCW. Uh, there's plenty. There's uh, uh, like Black Label, AAW Chicago, PWG in LA. Well, When you start touring on those great indie companies, some of them, there are great windows for bigger company to, you know, to go and grab you. So, so it's kind of back to the old days of independent territories. So you got to get yourself over and then you're going to get picked up because uh, if you go through their system, they all going to be trained the same way. They all have, have the same teachers or the same coaches. So they pick up all the same habits. Nobody's different. Nobody's working on anything. And you're more like you're in a mold. But a if you... Cookie cutter. Yeah. But if you go to different you know, places and you kind of make your style to, okay, I like that from that guy and I like that from this guy. And I've learned that, you know, from Mikey and I've learned that from PCO, but you kind of eyebrow, eyebrow yourself, you know, with different style. And then 
then you get over and then I think that's the way to go. And then when you sit down with a company, they want you. It's not just you who want them. It's both ways. They want you, you want them. But when it's just one side, you want them, they don't care about you. It can make you do whatever you want. You can say, well, well, have a tryout and we'll see if, if we like you. Basically, it's a way to say, Maybe it's going to help start our show tonight, you know, for them. But they don't really care. They, they're not part of their plans. They don't even have you in their mind, you know. So uh, it doesn't mean... I've seen Chris Benoit. He, you know, he could work. He was in Japan for New Japan Pro Wrestling for so long. And he was a hell of a worker. He came and had like three tryouts and never took him. He went to WCW, they got over it, and they picked him up, and then they put the strap on him. And I've seen that with, with a lot of guys. You know, uh, Bill DeMott, for one, like, it was a guy who had, like, three to four tryouts with WWE. And he got hired with WCW. And then, eventually, at the end, he switched to because they got bought out. But, yeah, that's the... I think, yeah, it's just... Uh, just uh, show their power and uh, they are in control and they are in charge and uh, I mean it's basically it's just part of life you know like uh, if I try to to learn something I'm, I'm gonna have a few failures and then eventually I think it's just a you know people that are really wants to persevere and really get there and do great things they're gonna find their way there's and people that are feeling like oh they've tried me two three times they don't like me well not because they didn't like you five years ago or ten years ago they won't like you next year it's not the way it works and so i'm telling because i remember i had a conversation like jeff cobb i think he's a hell of a worker and i was talking to him and we're discussing, you know, just talking about the business. He said, oh, yeah, I've been to WWE a few times, but they don't like me. I said, Jeff, you know, then I, did, I wanted them to go there, but just talking, just talking for talking. I said, Jeff, that's because they didn't like you in 2015. They won't like you in 2020 or 21. I, can, I mean, it's, uh, you know, things change. Even if it's Vince, you know, people around change. People we see things changing in politics and all kinds of sphere of, of the, our life. We've seen in a snap of a finger, things can change. So you can't think because, oh, they didn't want me like 10 times that they wouldn't want me the 11 times, you know, whatever company it might be. It might be like, I've, 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 I've known, I've had stories from guys trying ROH for so many times and they can get into it. Like a guy is trying Impact so many times and they feel discouraged and guys trying WWE so many times they get discouraged. But, you know, it's just that it's just a part of life. It's just the way it is. Same thing for the actors, same thing for the wrestlers, same thing with everybody. How bad do you want it? You know, how much... Are you willing to pay the price? I mean, not in money, but in blood, sweat, and tears, and efforts, and, you know, like I say, when you fail, fail, no, front, 
not on your back, but just keep rolling. Do you do you feel like in any way it, the, the vibe I'm I'm getting from you, and I think Mikey would agree with this, is it's it's a big part of this whole thing with your career in wrestling, and, and a lot of wrestlers for that matter. It's the journey. It's the spending time in the car. It's being able to have that time to talk to veteran wrestlers, and it's not just about going to a performance center, and like you said, being trained the same way by the same people. There's a lot to be said for going up and down the quote-unquote roads and, and being able to maybe you know sit under the learning tree. Would you agree? Yeah, I would. I would. I mean, you, you, you can, I don't say that you cannot make it from the PC or the ROH Dojo or the New Japan, California, you know, training school or whatever. I mean, a lot of people are big star and they are made from that system. But I'm just saying that you have more of your uh, your own life in your own hands when when you do things, when you get your bookings, and you get there and you go to another place and another place and you get over and you you work your way up and then you travel with guys and because it's not and that's coming from Jim Johnson, the guy who did my song for Ring of Honor, who was who's like uh, wrote the Undertaker song and so many no, the Steve Austin, so many great songs in WWE, The Ultimate Warrior, whatever, Demolition, everybody's song. I mean, he worked for WWE for 30 years. And he said, Carl, I said, you know, wrestling ain't about wrestling. You know, it's it's about getting over. You know, it's, it's you can do anything, you know, that you want in the ring, but if you're not over... It's, it's, you're not gonna draw money. You're not gonna draw ratings. You're not gonna draw people. You gotta get over. And it's, it's not about the wrestling itself. It's everything about around wrestling that gets you over. Uh, of course, you know, me saying that a few good moves or no one out of wrestle will help for sure. But it's not just that. You could be the greatest wrestler in the world, but that doesn't mean you're gonna be. You know, uh, a great superstar, or you're gonna be like impacting the wrestling world. You know, be a legend or being one of the greatest of all time just by being a great wrestler. You know, I see a lot of Mikey. How many good wrestlers? You know, like I've, I don't know. I go to seminars. I see great wrestlers all the time. It's not just about the wrestling. It's it's making a name for yourself. It's a whole package, you know. It's getting a good, great character, making a name for yourself, uh, being a good businessman, because it's a business. It's not just a sport. So you have to be a good business guy. Why you gotta be wise, business wise. You gotta know how to do your things and move your. You know, do things at the right time, finding uh, the timing. You know, just sometimes just like I'd come out with a, a video, but it's just not a, a hazard or anything like that. It's just sometimes I'll just pick up on something that just happened. And just so if I would have waited like three or four other days, it'd be off. You know, it wouldn't be the time to do it. You have to 
to move when it's time to move and you have to evolve when it's time to evolve. Like you're evolving every day, but I mean, sometimes big dramatic change has to happen with the timing of what's happening in life. And you got to be able to foresee all those opportunities. Like, you know, like even the pandemic is, you have to look at it as an opportunity. You have to find an opportunity during that time, you know? So, Being a young guy, you you're not aware of all those those things, you know. You you gotta have like uh, you're, you're trying to get as much information. Like if I can get it, like I've listened to all of them, you know, to Hogan, to The Rock, to Stone Cold, to all the great names, uh, the Flares. But but I I think sometimes there they, there's things that they don't really discuss that uh, I wish one day I'd be able to to go deeper into those details, you know, to how, you know, being a, one of the greatest draw like that, there's 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 things that you, you want to know, you know, and uh, there's, I guess, you know, uh, uh, There's, there's certain things, you know, you have to be really like, uh, well, well, I want to say what I want to say. It's like, it, it's, it's not going to happen to someone just by, uh, you know, too often, too often in the business, we think that someone's getting a push and he does, doesn't deserve it. Like I, for one, when I got the world tag titles in WWF, with Jock in 93, I had been in this company only for three, four months, and then I had the straps. But nobody knew the eight years before where I was in Puerto Rico, where I was in England for 20 pounds per night, you know, in a room with no heater and things like that for eight years before my break in WWF. Nobody knew about that. If you look at the guys that were in the dressing room, they thought I was just a young kid having a break without no pay. I didn't pay my dues or whatever. But for me, there's no such things, you know, like I think everybody that, that get a break, they had done something about it. It's not just uh, even if you're like the Rocks, Rocky Johnson's son. Well, it's not just because he was Rocky Johnson's son that he had a great break, you know. He put the efforts into it, like he put the work, and he, I don't know, I was around him for a while, and I, he was very dedicated. He was really, like, disciplined. He was in the gym all the time. He was very serious about it. He wasn't there just to, you know, have fun and being around the guys, you know. He had a plan. You know, he was there for a reason. I was just going to say, who to you, you know, you're, you're mentioning a bunch of different names here. Who would be the people that you would say were the most influential and treated you the best and, you know, really helped groom you and bring you along the way? Well, it depends who you, you had the chance to, to share rides with or to be friends with or, you know, like for, for me, I had the chance to be around Brett a lot. So Brett did a lot of showed me a lot of good things in this business. Uh, and he did quite a lot of great things for me. And uh, I've learned a lot just by being, you know, working against him and having like sometimes those 
conversation was Brett was really a pro. Like, yeah, if 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 it was a pay per view match, like he would say, get my phone number and call me. I'll be home, and then we'll start, you know, brainstorming around the matches, and then we'll probably we'll probably pretty much know what we'll be doing when we get to the arena. We'll just polish it up when we get there. But uh, that's how pro he was, you know, that hour of a pro he was. And uh, so I thought that was really cool. Uh, so I, I've learned a lot from him, but I've learned more. Had the chance to be George St. Pierre, uh, gym partner for maybe four months. Uh during his two match against Matthews, he had lost one and he won the second one. I'm because we're living in the same town and we're like training in the same gym, and he knew me from WWF, and so we we started talking. So we started to train together. And as far as uh, him like being one of the greatest UFC champions, uh, I took a lot from him. Because I trained with him, he became world champion, and I couldn't, at that time, I was not disciplined enough, I couldn't follow his rhythm, like, and that was, like, doing, like, the sprints and everything, like, it was a snowstorm, would go out and would sprint from post to post, like, like you have the, the phone post, you know, that would be, you know, from there to there would be a sprint, and then sometimes a long run and then the sprints were between like you'd run like a sprint between the about a hundred yards and say a hundred like I don't know in feet but let's say a hundred yards and then or 50 yards and then it'd be like okay between the other next two posts that would be their break and then another sprint and then it'd be like five to ten sprints like that plus other like cardio things plus like really crazy in the gym with the weights like very tough things, and uh, and then he would go on, and he he would go like to the uh, jujitsu class, and then he'd go to the striking class, and then it, and it was like that every day. Like he would never do nothing, just train, 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 train. And after like three months, I got burnt out. I I, I couldn't keep up with his rhythm. But then, but after a while, I realized, well, I didn't want it enough, you know. I should have sticked to the game, you know. I should have stick with him because then I was learning, you know, a lot of things. But I was not at his level. I didn't want it enough like he wanted that much, you know. So when I, this time around, I had this guy, Destro, Mike Roy, He's the same. He's just like George, you know. Like we never stop. There's always something, something, something. So this time, I, 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 I stood around, you know. I didn't. I said I missed out on that first opportunity because now I barely see George, or it's hard to get hold of him. And I never, I never had the chance to hand it up because I moved to another city. I don't live nearby his house anymore, and I never had the chance to to cross them again since that those years but uh i know i will eventually and it would be cool but uh i felt well you know i had a good spot with him you know i was nearby a great champion i could have learned so many things i did learn a lot of things in three months but if i imagine if i would have keep up for the full year maybe i would have 
you know, made that comeback earlier, you know. But, uh, you know, I wasn't, uh, I thought at one point, uh, that's just the UFC thing, you know, it's not for wrestling. But I didn't see behind the sports. I didn't see the dedication. I didn't see the, you know, the, the, the way that you got to want it and everything that you do. Like, that's why he was such a, a guy who was so a lot of concentrations and so into his match because he was like that, not just during his fight. He was like that 24-7. He was just training the way that he was fighting. Everything that he was doing, he was like putting all his art into it. Like, he was hard to follow in the gym. He was hard to follow in wrestling. Like, amateur wrestling, it was hard to follow in every depth, every department that he was doing. Like, maybe MMA is five different sports. But he was given his all-time greatest efforts and everywhere everything so that's how i learned you know when i was saying you got to be the greatest at what you do at everything that you do that sometimes you know you just you just get in the habit where you you forget about it and then you have to you know poke yourself and say oh you're sleeping there you got to be the greatest at doing what you're doing right now and then that's just that's just uh just my take on the great champions that's just learning from george st pierre learning from guys like Mike Roy and and listening to a lot of other guys. But basically, that's that's what I think makes the difference between the champion. So even people, like, you're going to say, well, why is he talking about George wrestling? It's fixed. Nothing is fixed. I mean, maybe movies are fixed and wrestling is fixed, but if you want to have, like, the first role, you have to be on the poster and have the main role. It's not fixed. you got to win that. Yeah, you got to have that too. There's something about the, the the people that are the most successful at these, you know, baseball, football, UFC, wrestling. There's something about their personality yeah. that just pushes them to go above and beyond, over and over and over, to to, to get it and want it. So it's yeah, of course. You got to first. You got to be passionate about it. It can be something. One of those where I'm gonna do this to get girls. Uh, I'm going to do this to, to be famous or I'm going to do this to, you know, it's, it's got to be a reason behind a strong reason that it's got to be something very important to you. That's going to be the most important thing to you. You got to have the reason why you do this and you have to, to believe that's your path. Really, no one, not just to believe it, but no one it is what you have to do. I mean, you know, to go to the, the next level, I would say. That's what I'm thinking, you know. That it doesn't mean that I'm right, but I'm just. That's my my proper. That's my. That's the way I look at things. That's my perspective. That's only my own perspective. If it's worth anything, I think you're right. <laughs> I, I, from from being around, from from having the chance to being around great champions, uh, you know. I see the difference, you know, when it's something that it just, uh, I see it when there's a lot of will and power and uh, a lot of grinding and a lot of efforts and uh, a lot of things. Uh, I've I've seen great champions and they do things that others won't do or won't dare to do or will take it too much and too boring. And it's not worth it. So you got to sacrifice a lot of things. That's basically, that's what the, you know, that's what you have to wait, you know, like sacrifices versus what you have to gain. Sometimes it seems to be 
a lot of sacrifices for what you have to gain, you know, it's a, and then sometimes it might be discouraging for people or they might think they're not on the right track or they're not on their, their right destiny or they don't really know what they want to do in life and things like that. So it could be tricky, you know, like, it, it, you know, like how many times sometimes you have to fail. And I remember I had friends telling me at that point, uh, at the point where I left the TV station and I went and I came back and then I was sending FedEx and things like that. And good friends of mine were telling me, it's sad to see, you know, it's sad to see you that you don't want to give up. You know, it's and like I had people telling me that, you know, it's uh, for them. It was more than perseverance. It was like it was a point where it was just uh, too early to see like uh, how low can you go, you know, trying to accomplish a dream. And well, it's from the outside, you know, it's always easy to see. Well, to say. You prove them wrong. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But. You know, most important, I wanted to prove myself right. You know, I didn't want to, I'm I'm not fueling myself on proving people wrong. Uh, I'm just trying to prove things on just proving myself right. You know, just, just, just knowing that I know what I'm doing. <laughs> that's basically, that's all that counts, you know. If I don't impress my dad or I don't impress my mom or I don't impress my sister or I don't imp- impress my friends, I, basically I can't, I can't care less about, you know, what they think. You know, the important thing is this is my life and I do whatever I want to do with my life, you know. And that's that's basically that's it. You know, I can't care less what thing, what, what Vince or what Bischoff or anyone has to, you know, their their label might be about me you know because you know they always we always i'd say we because i'd say 99.9 percent of the population would always put a label on someone and sometimes they get it wrong like john laronitis asked me two times a question in the office saying who carl who do you think is going to be the next big superstar here and I didn't want to say myself, because I thought they would say he's still got a big ego, or he's got a big head, or he's full of full of shit, or whatever. So I I would always say, because I've heard from boys before, like Vince was one of his big thing was to say if you had a magic wand, what what you do with it? And and I heard guys saying, yeah, I would put myself in a big angle against one of the top guys of the company, things like that. So. It's it's a I think it's a test to, to see how you foresee yourself, how you see yourself in the company, how much do you believe in yourself, you know? So and I think even Big Show was talking about that to Steve Austin not too long ago on one of his show. Uh but uh he said, Oh, so how do you think who do you think is gonna be the next great big superstar here? And I said, I don't know. He said, I want to tell you who's going to be the boogeyman. So boogeyman was getting over a little bit, and then we haven't heard from of him for a while. So by the next time I'm getting another meeting with John, the office, hey, Carl, who do you think is going to be the great next big superstar here in WWE? So I don't know, John. You told me last time it was going to be the boogeyman. What happened? He said, I oh, had to get his teeth, you know, redone and things like that. So I, said, I don't know. You, you tell me. 
This is Vladimir Kozlov. So basically zero and two right now. And I don't want to, I don't, it's nothing against John. I just want to say that you can try to put a label on this guy. I remember Kevin Singh. I remember when he was 14, everybody said he was going to be the greatest and he became good. So, but at one point, nobody knew anymore because it was so tough for him. I guess he didn't know himself. He probably knew because he didn't quit, but I, he had it tough. You know, it was really tough for him. And he made it, and he became universal champion. But uh, a lot of people predict, predict, predict that. Uh, but also, many times, they put a label on someone. He's, uh, he's going to be a good opener, or he's going to be a good middle carter, or he's... Like Steve Austin, nobody saw him where he was. Maybe now they say, oh, we knew he was going to be something special. But if you remember, you're probably, you're, <laughs> your English shape is like kind of his comeback, Mikey. You had a good run with, with Steve, right? Yeah, we had a couple good matches down there, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think, he, I think he spoke like highly about you too. And... Uh, well, he was in ECW. He got fired by WCW, and he was hired in WWE as a mechanical, basically. That's how they labeled him. Gonna be good mechanics, you know, like a good guy on the roster, basically a guy who can do it all, but nothing special about him. And he, he proved everyone wrong. So I guess they put the wrong label on him, and just like they did put the, we do. A lot of times, you know, we see a hockey player, we label him like he's going to be a great superstar. He doesn't become a great superstar. Sometimes, you know, everybody puts label on everybody. And uh, if you accept the label that they put on you, and then you become you become that, you know. So if you have to be very like like when they had me shave my hair and things, like, you have to be strong mentally, really, really strong. And uh, that's one of the, the points. You know, so pro wrestling, <laughs> it's not just about the moves and the politics and getting friends with the right people. That's not just that, you know. It's way more than that. Way more, way, way, way more than that. You, uh, you, you had multiple runs with WWE. Obviously, you came back and... The Attitude Era, and then you uh, moved on to WCW. But then you, you had to stop off in uh, in ECW. I've always been very curious about that. How did that come to be? Who contacted who? And uh, any idea or reason why it was uh, kind of a short stint in yeah. ECW? Well, uh, I was a good friend with Rhino because uh, – we worked in 1997. We tag team together. We became CWA European Tag Team Champs for Auto Bands and Catch Wrestling Association, which is at that point was pretty big. You know, a lot of guys, big names there. You know, Wood uh, Warriors, uh, Vader, uh, Snuka. Many great names came from from that. That territory, Finlay, Regal, uh, Dave Taylor, Robbie Brookside, they all worked for auto bands. And that's that's a generation that, you know, it was what, bigger names before their times, too. 
So it was uh, it was so huge that um, we're wrestling uh, seven days a week in the same building. A uh, Tuesday night, ladies' night, sold out, you know, 4,000 people. Friday, Saturday, sold out. Sunday, kind of slow. Monday, kind of slow. We'd pick up on Tuesday, Wednesday, and then uh, Tuesday for the ladies' night was good. Wednesday was kind of picking up, you know, starting with the ladies' night, and then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday, Monday, a little bit less people. But... Uh, no traveling, seven days a week, living in a caravan. So we met, and uh, he met his wife there at the time. Uh, we already had the, his daughter, the first daughter with her, and he got divorced. Anyways, that's his personal life. But uh, we became good friends, so we kept in touch, and then he was having a good run with uh, ECW. And then uh, I was talking to him. He said, I'm going to talk to a dreamer about you. So, you know. Talked to Tommy, and Tommy brought me in. I had like uh, three or four matches on the road with you guys. And then I did that TV taping where I was uh, wrestling uh, PJ for the title. That's incredible. And that match was a good match, very great match. Uh, it's one of my favorite match. I really, like, atmosphere was, like, crazy. I think I was uh, probably the last match or just semi-my or main event, I guess. Uh, the world title with Francine and I had passed Francine from I'm sitting on the top rope and then I grabbed grabbed her by the hair and then picked her like in a body slam and you know through a table and crowd erupt it was cool and I felt like I felt like good with with Polly but I I I don't know like I had to go for a tour because I was already booking a Saudi Arabia for like yeah, two weeks so I had to go there for two weeks and when I came back I really it's kind of messy right there and to me I thought like the, the company pretty much folded after that but it might have been like three or four months after I came back from Saudi Arabia before the company fold so I don't know why it was a short stint like that because the only thing that I remember is the company was folded and I got a check, uh, not a big check, maybe $300 from Paul E. And I got surprised because I wasn't there for a long time and I've heard the story that he was getting behind payoffs with a lot of guys. And I said, why the hell did he pay me when I wasn't there for a little while? And it didn't make sense to me. Like I, I heard stories that he owed like Sabu like twenty grand and another guy like Van Dam thirty or whatever. You, you were there. I don't know like the whole yeah and the whole inside of the story. But I got so surprised that I got a paycheck like handwritten by Paulie himself, and it's crazy to me. You know, I can't explain why I wasn't there for a long time because. Like we had a good, like we had a good conversation, and like he wanted like to push me, and you know we shot good promos and everything, and the match he was so happy with the match, like yeah, he was like wow that was a hell of a match, and and then I went to Saudi Arabia the next morning, I was there for two weeks, and it just felt like you know it's, it was just hard to reconnect or whatever, and then uh, had that check. And the company was fold when I had that check, and I couldn't believe it. So 
I hope it's going to be, you know, it's not just a check. It's not going to bounce back. The check never bounced back either. (laughs) I was going to say, did you hurry up and cash it? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I did, but it didn't bounce back, you know. I got paid. I don't I was I didn't even know why he paid me for everything that I've done. I don't know. Yeah, I think that was all money related because that's cause that's kind of what I you and I were there kind of we kind of overlapped a little bit. I think okay. I, you were there maybe once or twice when I was there because uh, I because I had gone to WCW and came back. So I wasn't working full time for him until okay. later in 2000, maybe March, maybe February, March, April. OK, but I know he was having money issues and I, I what he was doing at that point. Was people he didn't owe a lot of money, he was paying them. Because okay, like, you know, like you owe Sabu twenty thousand. Oh, here's three hundred. Yeah. It's like. Now, <laughs> so I, I think I, that's what I, I just think. My, uh, five guys hates you is better than fifty. So we're gonna keep those five hate me, and we'll we'll take care of the other small <laughs> small <laughs> things around. So they'll they'll spread a good word for me around. Yeah, I think maybe it was just that's funny. what it is. He liked you. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I just thought it was cool. So, uh, but you know, like if if the company would have folded, like I would have probably, you know, called back and things like that. I guess I was in touch with Rhino, and it's like I didn't have good news about what was going on and things like that, and the talks and the boys talking, and I didn't really bother that much. So, uh, yeah, that's I don't I don't really know that that old story and why it, it didn't last that long. I have a question. Yeah. Tell me about the car battery embedded in your chest. Oh, <laughs> that was pretty crazy. That that was in Pittsburgh. Because you're talking was... about dedication. If that does not prove your dedication <laughs> yeah. to your character and your business, nothing yeah. wrong. Yeah, I mean, I did I did got uh, sliced up, you know, for real with a uh, scalpel. For me, it was like, first, uh, I wanted to show that, you know, my character that I don't feel pain or that uh, I have high tolerance to pain that was that was the purpose that was one of them uh, secondly uh, I wanted to uh, live the character to the fullest and to always have that it's, it's like a little tattoo sort of that reminds me where I've been and what I've done and uh, and just uh, where I'm going. It's like you said, it's like a little sacrifice, a human sacrifice, just uh, just to prove myself and to have something to remind myself what I've done this for and why why I why I do this for. And every time that I look at that scar, it, it puts me back into where I'm going. And, why I'm doing it, and uh, it's a little bit like, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, there's a lot of, it means a lot to me, and uh, like on top of, like, like I said, I really <clears throat> believe in a way that I'm not human, like, I'm not an ego talking, I mean, I've been like that since I was a kid, and if you look at some footage of myself, I did some crazy things, like, very early on into my career, I remember I did like a Santon from the top rope into the cement floor for a TNA against Chris Saban. And that was just to prove like how much I wanted in this business. Like people at that time didn't know why 
why is he stupid? Why is he doing that? That doesn't mean nothing. That, that doesn't make sense. The guy is moving. Of course the guy is moving. Nobody wants to take it, you know, so. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been cool if someone would want to take it, but nobody wants to take it, so he's moving. But for me, it's just sending a message to the wrestling world that how bad, you know, he wants it, you know. And uh, that was my idea when I said, when I did that spot. But um, nobody kind of caught on to it. And then I was doing like crazy stuff like that, even against Brett. You know, I took a body slam on the stairs, on the corner of the stairs. I uh, was the first one. I was the one. Brett was hitting the steps, but I was the first one actually who separated like the steps in half. I was like, uh, I really like invented that to to really run hard and split the steps and and make them go. And um, yeah, they're 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 heavy. Yeah, they're heavy. They're they, you can hurt yourself doing that. They don't realize. No, really, they don't. And but they. It was always a good pop, you know, when we do when you do that during the heat or something, it was always yeah. people would pop for that. But they they're hard. Brett was like doing them a lot, but he wouldn't never like split the second part of the, the bottom, you know. Mm-hmm. So when I was taking it I made sure like I run like a freight train, you know, just to make sure it pops out. And then, then I kinda started that. And um, so I was doing like crazy t- stuff like that and uh you know, Senton, like just running Senton, Brett would move out of the way, so I would hit the cement floor. Uh, this crazy stuff. So, but now, like with the PCOs, not human stuff, everything makes sense because now they they chant, he's not human. <laughs> the it makes sense, you know, for them, you know, like if I go up the stands and I do something crazy, they'll chant my name. So it's uh. It, it, really, it was really a character that matched my style, too. So, uh, you know, even at the Garden, uh, April 6th, April 6, 2019, part, uh, G.O.D., you know, from New Japan Pro Wrestling, the, uh, the Tonga, like Tonga Loa, and, uh, yeah. you know, the, the brothers, and they powerbombed me from inside the ring. I was uh-huh. uh, sitting on top of their shoulders. Yep. And they threw me on my head, like, uh, outside that, the ring. That was sick. And, I was there for that. Yeah, and I sat down, and I did the, the sitting down, you know, bang, and then I start the whole cop, and then the crowd went crazy. And then when I, you know, fell back, let's say the uh, adrenaline rush quit, and then or the electricity left me, and then I went back to the cell. People were crying, you know. I see tears, you know, in uh, people's eyes. So that 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 was cool, you know. What because not because people are crying. That's not what is cool. What is cool is the fact that wrestling is about having a crowd going through all kinds of emotions, going from being happy to being mad to being sad to to you know feeling that they are yourself, making the comeback and. You know, things like that. You know, they're going through all kinds of emotion. And, and it's, that's that's what it's cool about wrestling. You want people to go through the emotions. And um, so that's that's what I like when I saw people, like, crying and things like that and having tears in their eyes. 
then I, I felt good about myself. Felt like, okay, I made them live, you know, a special moment, you know, and something to talk about and something to remember and something that they, it was worth their money, you know, just they I mean, uh, going through all kinds of emotions, you know. So oh, I, I'll never forget it because we were sitting, Carrie Silverton got us tickets and we were sitting just to the right of the entranceway over there. Okay. And they put you up and Jerry and I are going, what the fuck are they going to do? And then they just threw you over the top rope. Yeah. Right? And we heard the thud from where we were sitting. And it yeah. wasn't like, like we heard the in-house thud, not the mic's thud. We heard the, yeah, yeah. and I'm going, well, that's not good. <laughs> yeah, I had to fight for that spot the whole day. Uh, New Japan didn't want me to. They said, no, we'll catch you. I said, no, you don't understand. If you catch me, I'm human. If you don't, I'm not human. No, but we don't understand. We catch, no? No, you don't catch. <laughs> <laughs> so he was like, and then Brody, you know, because I've known him since I did the um, Bola in 2018. And he saw me doing like some crazy stuff with MLW as well. And he goes, don't even bother trying to put some sense into him. Just let him do it. Don't care about it. Just let him do it. He's going to do it anyways. So so we, we did it and it came out great. And uh, I remember Destro was like, you sure? Like his, He was like, you sure you want to do this? I said, hey, man, if you're, you know, if you're breaking a wrench, and a, a pipe wrench in half, you know, I'm not going to say, are you sure your knee's going to be able to take it or your triceps going to tear or whatever. You know what your body can take. I know what I can do. So just trust me on this one. I, I got it. You know, it's okay. Don't worry about it. And then he said, okay. So, and then I did it. It was a garden. It was sold out. And I just wanted to have a, a moment where I could steal the show. If not now, when? Hey, that's it. That's it. You got to pick your, your moment, though, you know? Yeah, think of that You can't pop. do it every night. <laughs> you can't do it every night. You know, but you can do it once in a while. Yeah. How much would you say the social media has really been able to expose and enhance the PCO persona? And with the YouTube and Twitter and all that kind of stuff, you have to feel like that's a big, big help right there to be able to put your own content out there in addition to being on television to be able to continue to reach and, you know, let more fans know who you are and how to find you. Yeah. Quite a big chunk of percentage for sure. Uh, well, you know, the, the water match was all, all the buzz, the pre buzz was on social media. The after buzz is even bigger than the pre buzz was all on social media. And, uh, I haven't missed a beat in well two years, two and a two year and two years and a half almost. I haven't missed one Monday so far. And wow. sometimes, sometimes we're shooting. Last shooting we did was like uh, we did. Uh, we started at six in the morning. We ended up finishing at midnight. The next morning we start back at six a.m. And we finished at 4 p.m. But I've got people like that working on weekends. I've got people that have got a wife, two kids. You know, 
I got a daughter. She's 11 years old. That's that's what I'm saying. You know, it's 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 been the pandemic, but we're we're working like crazy. And then that's that's 20 some hours or 24 hours or 30 hours just shooting. Then you gotta get the post production. Then you gotta put it all together. I'll make all the cuts and everything. That's easily for per video. It's easily 40 hours just to make a video. Easy. And I'm not happy with it when I look at it. Like tonight's video, like I, I'm, I, and I don't, I told the guy when you, we, we, we needed the, the girl, the prostitute wasn't there. We needed like, you know, maybe a chunk of a, a drugs, you know, that wasn't there. So, you know, because everything was rushed. So I'm happy. I'm not, I'm not criticizing, but I'm just saying like next time we've got to do this differently, this differently. And, um, I'm really, really like trying to be really creative with what we do. And now we're like more doing, like, we started with Feats of Strengths. It was just me and Destro doing, okay, I rip a deck of card now I'll do this, I do that. And it was like pretty simple. All you needed was like basically someone to hold a camera. But now like we have actors, we have like casting, you know, Sometimes we're like five on the set, six plus a cameraman, sometimes another cameraman plus special effects. So it's a lot of work, uh, but it's that's the evolution. You know, we could have, if I was going to do still, you know, feats of strength, like people would say, ah, it's pretty much the same thing now. It's been like a, two years. So for the last, three months it's been evolving into a web series which is uh you know different now but it's an evolution so the, the really, one last week with you chasing the guy on the roof and then ripping his arms off yeah <laughs> i was like holy shit yeah every i'm telling you every <laughs> monday night i i said i got what's pco doing this week every Monday. yeah night, yeah like, the thing is also yeah, yeah, and, and and it's hard for me. I wish I could give them like uh, a fight every week, but then I want suspense. I want to be in trouble sometimes, and yeah. I need to have Destro to try to find me and before make the comeback and things like that. So it's gonna be interesting. It's, uh, it's only two minutes and two minutes and twenty yeah, seconds short. on Twitter. So I don't want to go with. You know, two on the same nights, people are not gonna watch two videos in a row. So, so it's just two minutes and twenty seconds, and uh, it's it's cool. It's just follow up from weeks to weeks, and eventually, I want to put all of them together, and then we're gonna make like a premiere in a theater, and then we're gonna invite like people and wrestling fans and things like that. And we're just going to show it out to producers and, you know, movie people and things like that. And, uh, yeah, it, it, it helps to grow the character. And, and it, uh, you know, it's a, it's a gore, horror style. You know, sometimes it's, it's a lot, you know, like, like hey, the leg doesn't fit in the trunk. Here's a knife, cut the leg. So it's cutting the leg and <laughs> close the trunk. And But it got to a point where I felt 
personally where I got copied from WWE. I felt like when they did their or and I for an eye show, I felt, well, I've been doing like or style and gore style for the last, what, two, three months. And now in July, they're coming with an horror show. But, <laughs> what's what's going on? You know? But there, there's a big difference. Yours are good. There's some. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's cool. But, you know, it's, uh, you know, I, I, I see, you know, I just, I just saw, we're well, picking up on the trend here that I'm trying, you know, I'm building yeah. something and then yep. they're, they think sometimes because they're WWE, they're going to do something and it's going to be 10 times better. But like I said, you know, you can't, you can't, our creativity or my creativity, that, that, that's, that's there. You, you can try to make a product, but it's not going to be the same, of course. No. So no, is, that, anyway. is that you and Mike coming up with those pretty much? Yeah. And, uh, and, and, uh, Sometimes, you know, three or two or three other guys that I, uh, I do uh, pick their brains a little bit here and there. Passionate people about storylines that I do, you know, pick up their brains and uh, write some ideas. But uh, mostly me and Mike, uh, I'd say 80 percent. But, uh, yeah, there's there's other guys. And sometimes uh, it's someone I go to the gym. Someone, hey, this and that could that could happen too, and then oh, you just hit it right on the spot. That's cool. So <laughs> yes, that could happen. Takes, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> people chips ideas here and there. A lot of people are chipping ideas, and sometimes I grab some and uh, make them happen in a different way, maybe or a little different. But people are happy to. To share ideas, they like, you know, like if I get to the gym, of course, someone's going to come by me and is going to share his ideas and how it would see that evolve and things like that. They they want to want to give their ideas and, and people on the set, too. Sometimes they they get involved a little bit like if you had a wrestling company and guys would chip in for ideas. Yeah. Uh, it's the same process, basically. People from the cast, you know, they have ideas for their their role and they, they shoot some some ideas is somebody that I'd say I tell them like yeah I might we might go that direction we might not it depends you know I know pretty much where we're going you know and and let's say five six weeks from now so if it works with the scenario that I had planned and sometimes you have to change it. Sometimes you're supposed to have like a big actor that's supposed to come in and then he's got some other plans and then you got to switch it over. It's tough. It's it's really tough with uh, with, with actors. It's different than just me and Destro and a cameraman. Oh, yeah, you need a good cameraman. You need someone with sounds effect, good special effects, you need the, the blood, the body parts, the, all kinds of stuff. So and costing more money too. So, but, uh, that's another thing that I learned from George because George uh, would not buy a, a brand new car or, a, a, you know, some stuff or he wouldn't, he would always reinvest a lot of his money in his own training and his own career. He would go and uh, pile in uh, for his, you know, Muay Thai. I uh, go to Japan or he'd go make a trip and, 
use his own money to reinvest in his own career. So like, uh, I, I take some of my money and reinvest it in my own career. So I've learned that from George and, uh, you know, I wouldn't take all, like, I'm not crazy. I'm business too. I know a certain amount that I can take and, it's it's all worth it you know at the end of the day you gotta you gotta take some chance so uh yeah so that's 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 part of me i've always gambled on myself on my ideas sometimes uh it worked sometimes it didn't but uh when i have a strong feeling strong feeling about something uh my instinct and my senses are wide open for something. I go ahead and do it. Got to go with your gut. Yeah, big time, big time. So, so whenever you're filming, if you need a an old chubby ex former ECW guy due to COVID nineteen, my schedule is wide open. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. So I think it'd be great. I'll kick you. I'll go to give you a stunner, and you rip my head off. <laughs> Cool. <laughs> well, I tell you what, you your career has been has been here, there, and everywhere. And like we talked about before, you know, you were with the WWF, and then you came back during the Attitude Era, spent some time, like we talked about, in ECW, and then some time in WCW. We haven't really mentioned anything about that yet, but just briefly, what was your thoughts on your time in in WCW? Did you feel like it was worthwhile or I didn't like it. Didn't like it at all. I didn't feel. I felt like uh, it took me so long to build some great connections, like you know, like human connections and uh, getting to know people. Like really get to know, getting good friends with Jim Ross, getting good friends with Bruce Richard, with John Laurinaitis, or that was after, but with uh, with Vince, with Shane McMahon, with with. Uh, you know, with everybody around the office, and then uh, to go and start from scratch, I, I felt I had to start from scratch. Like I didn't know Kevin Sullivan at all. I had been on the indie territory, like Jack had been like doing like the Florida territory. Anyways, uh, who were the brothers? Robert Fuller, and he, he knew he knew Robert Fuller, and. Uh, you know, I didn't. Robert was cool though. Like, uh, I'm happy that I got to know him. Like, yeah, even when I, and then that's that's the thing. Now, then I when I work with Kevin Sullivan again in MLW, and I work with Bruce Pritchard in MLW, 2018. That was all cool because had time, to, you know, to, to get to know them. But when I first got to WCW, I didn't know Eric Bischoff. I didn't know nobody. So I felt like I had to restart. To get to know everybody, and and then you want them to to get to know you, how you think, how you see the business, and how passionate you are for the business, and things like that. And I felt like it was restarting all over again. So I was, and it took long, you know, it took a while before I rolled out of my WWE contract before I could resign. With WCW, it took like eight months, and um, it was a lot of 
was a roller coaster just dealing with them just to get re-signed there, just to get signed there. Uh, eight months of negotiating and you know thinking, okay, we're gonna sign and no, we're not signing. We're gonna sign. We're not signing. And uh, we ended up signing for uh, a good deal for a year for uh, guaranteed money. And then uh, we went back to uh, we did the show. I was semi my against the big show in Montreal and Jacques was against Hulk as the main and uh, Hulk did the job for Jacques and then that got Eric I think if you speak to him one day you have to ask him if he was pissed about the fact that Jacques beat his top guy but it was a house show I don't think it matters it didn't matter to Hulk anyways I don't know we didn't we weren't treated very good there. We didn't like. We weren't like. Uh, we we're like at most middle guys, you know. We we're we we're getting over on the small shows, like on the TV shows, and on Nitro would or pay per view would do jobs. So that was basically we were like right in the middle, like it was guys under under us, but there was like guys like. Uh, uh, Booker T and Stevie Ray, the signers, uh, some other tag teams were probably on top of us. They were for sure. And uh, didn't have a good experience. So I didn't like, didn't like anything about WCW. Basically, I, I don't know why. It was just, uh, I was always a, a North guy. <laughs> I was not a South guy. I don't know why. I grew up watching wrestling from the North. More like uh, a lot of AWA, uh, a lot of uh, WWF. And uh, that's how I grew up watching. So I was not big into uh, NWA, WCW. It's, it's one I was first asked to go there by Jacques. I told him I was staying in WWF. I didn't want to go there when he retired. Like he was, uh, he wanted to after WrestleMania because we were supposed to have a big win at WrestleMania 10 against Men on a Mission, and then uh, Pat Patterson came up and he says, "We got, I've got a good news and a bad news." And you know when they say that, it's too bad news. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so basically, we're we're not. We were not winning. We were retaining, but by DQ or something like that. And uh, Jacques had been promised a certain amount of money for that year. They were behind with the money. They were not uh, doing what they were saying they would do. And then uh, he just wanted to quit. So we, we made sure he had like a great amount of money. The, the amount of money that was losing at that time for what he had dealt for, but without a guarantee on a handshake, uh, he wanted to have like that that chunk of money paid for his retirement match. So that's what they worked out, him and Vince. And he asked me if I wanted to go to WCW with him, and I said no. I said I worked too hard to get here to get where we at now to uh, start all over again, starting from scratch. 
but eventually with what everything that happened uh, I left WWE on my own uh, so I was just I didn't like the way things were going and so I left and then I ended up resigning with Jock there then ended up resigning with Jock in 98-99 and going back to WCW in 2001 I believe a little bit with Team Canada with Lance Storm and Alex Skipper so we did a little run there and that was it well, Ring of Honor has been uh, super hot, and uh, it seems like you found a great home right there. Is there any indication on, as far as when you think things will start to come back, as far as the crowds and, and that kind of thing, what kind of communication are they giving you guys right now? Oh, they're targeting, uh, first date was uh, July 15, and then it was August 17, and they're pushing for August I don't know if it's going to be the 17th or it's going to be pushed back, but they're really targeting August. They want to start back in August. So we're having a meeting Thursday. We're, we're having meetings like maybe every other week. So uh, their priority is uh, the health issues. You know, they want us to be healthy. But, uh, they're probably the only company that pays uh, full salary, you know, uh, uh, during the COVID, which is uh, unheard of, which is, I think it's one of the very great company to be able to do that and to do that. And um, so, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a first class company. That changed so much over the last, since I've signed, I would say, because uh, I've heard stories from before. But uh, since I signed there, I mean, we always stay in uh, Marriott. We're, we're, like, doing business with Marriott. So they're taking care of our hotels. We always fly with, like, Premier Airlines. Like, I fly personally Delta from Montreal. Maybe sometimes American Airlines. But there's no, like you know, second airlines, like very cheap, like blue jet or something like that. You know, we don't never fly like that. We always have like good flights and good seats. And um, they, they're paying like big money, like like the major companies like WWE or all elite wrestling. They, they had to adjust because they were going to load they were going to lose their talent, so they had, they did adjust, and uh, they've, they've, they've been, like, paying, like, the contract, you know, even during uh, this pandemic, which is is great, and that's, that's, that's one of the reasons why I'm working so hard. I don't want to be, I don't want to be taking money, even though if I'm not, like, really working for them and doing an actual show for them, I want to, you know, I in my mind, I know how many hours, I've known how many hours a week that I know that I I want to be deserving what I'm getting paid for. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know. Uh, you want to earn your money. That's it. Yeah, I want to earn it. Like, one way or another, for me, it's it's not like, I just don't feel like I'm on vacation. 
basically that's what I'm trying to say. I want to work hard and work harder and and just earn it, you know. And uh, if not, like if it, for me, uh, thinking like that, yes, it is. And I'm very grateful. It is like St. Clair Broadcasting. It is Ring of Honor. But for me, it's also coming from the universe, you know, like it's also you know, more than just the company. So, uh, you know, I want to give back and, and work and for what I'm getting because uh, I, I don't want to end up like short. I know all life is, and I know it's not, there's not such a thing as nothing for something. And I want to make sure that I do way more than what I'm getting for, you know, so to speak, you know, I want to put all the efforts and, and earn my money. No, I think you definitely have something that a lot of people in life in general don't have, and that's a work ethic. And I think definitely in 2020, it's refreshing to hear somebody talk about wanting to put back in. And like you said before, you know, you could look at this time during the COVID and say, I'm going to rest up. I'm going to take care of my body. I'm going to take care of some things at home but you're still wanting to put in the man hours, getting in the gym, filming your episodes and doing everything because that helps Ring of Honor too. It, yeah. it keeps the PCO character in everyone's minds. They're still seeing you on a weekly basis, and it just builds up for when everything does come back. Man, it's really going to pay off. Uh, thanks. Uh, I, I like the way that you you, you, you put it like that exactly what uh, – what I'm trying to do, what I'm doing, and uh, I'm, I'm I'm happy. We have like uh, crossed each other, like you said, in New Orleans, and um, maybe a few times, and we have exchanged a few tweets here and there, or if you have put good words on on my behalf, and I've done the same. You know, I I always thought like you, you know, it was uh, it was pretty cool, and and I follow you and things like that, and. Uh, when I see things, you know, and but I'm, I'm I'm glad that we had that that talk, and then uh, I get to know you more, and uh, you get to know me more, and then it's uh it's always uh, I guess it's uh, yeah it's refreshing, and it's uh, it's good to know people from the business on a uh, more uh, kind of personal uh, level than just uh, I've heard this and I uh, heard this good guy or whatever but uh just to actually get the chance to to talk with the man it's pretty cool good stuff. well i tell you what you can follow him and i Plus highly he, recommend talked you do to us this. For almost three hours he's earned i know money. this guy right here continues to earn his his keep here because damn he's he's dealt with us for for nearly two and a half hours pco we cannot say thank you enough for your time you've you've carved out a hell of a chunk of your evening I do want to let everybody know, please go over to YouTube. It is Pierre Carl Ouellette. You can go yeah. ahead and subscribe to his YouTube channel. I have been watching these episodes just like Mikey has. They're friggin' amazing, you guys. I mean, right now is a perfect time to binge watch on all of his episodes. We talk, talked about the match with Walter. Go ahead and rewatch that match with Walter and really get a chance to appreciate all the work that he has put not only in his career but into his character and when when ring of honor comes back you're going to definitely have somebody you're going to be able to say man i tell you what i like this guy but i like him even more now because of everything i see him doing um 
You can also follow him on Twitter. He is at PCO is not human. Um, once again, at the letters PCO and then is not human. He's got great followers there. He interacts with people on social media there. Is there any other social media platforms that people can follow you? Is there an Instagram or anything like that as well? Yeah, Instagram, same thing. PCO is not human. TikTok, PCO is not human. PCO is on TikTok? Oh, yeah. Yeah, but I I don't do the dance. I just just put my stuff in there. But uh, I just started TikTok about uh, maybe five, four or five weeks ago. Yeah, it's uh, it's a lot of work because uh, it's only one minute there. So sometimes I got to split my videos in three parts and uh, I'm a little bit behind there with TikTok. <laughs> but uh, uh, I did like I did uh, some curls. Uh, my first video that I did, I'm curling. I can uh, squat cage and there's like five plates and one pulley and i'm just like making all kind of noise and uh it's that it's, I'm, I'm half half a million viewers for that tiktok video and i'm getting bashed like <laughs> there's more there's 10 that well, they, they go like 10 yellings and zero reps and hey <laughs> 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 i, I, I it's like uh, TikTok. There's a lot of uh, trolls and bashing there. So if you don't have a solid, solid morale, don't get on TikTok. But no, but uh, for my videos, though, I got good reviews and things like that. But um, there's a lot of bashing. It's it's crazy. Uh, but it's uh, for me. I just I don't care. I just laugh with it. And I'm having fun. I'm like, hey, they can say as much as they want. Half a million viewers. On one video, I mean, uh, that's, that's that's cool. Impressive. I'll take it. You do realize you get better ratings in WWE. I'm just going to throw that out there, man. I mean, that's that's damn good ratings right there. <laughs> yeah, that was good. It's, it's a good it's a video that popped out. And most most of them, they're, people are watching it, like Russians and Germans. And uh, I didn't know TikTok was going uh, in Russia and in Germany that much. Like, uh, I don't know, like, uh, it's it's crazy sometimes. Hey, you're opening a new market. <laughs> yeah, ready for Russia. Yeah. All right. I have to ask you this. You know, there's 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 Freddy Krueger, there's Michael Myers, there's Jason. With all this filming, you may slide yourself into, uh, into the movies as well. Is that something that potentially yeah. that might be something in the horizon? Oh, yeah, of course. I mean that's uh, that's uh, one of the goals. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's my after. That's 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 you know once uh, I uh, accomplish what I had set, you know, on my my goals. Uh, once I'm done, uh, I'll move on into uh, the movies. Yeah, that's uh, that's part of the plan. Yeah, actually, uh, that's, you, you, you hit it right on the bullseye. I think, you know, personally from, from this interview, I think the one thing a lot of people will probably take away from, not only check out that documentary, but they'll find out the type of person you are behind the character. And I think they'll find out what type of person you are as far as the way you look at the industry, the way you look at your work ethic, the way how much you are – dedicated to this and a lot of people say oh i love this i love this but you you personify that from the not quitting and the never giving up and 
willing willing to change a, a gimmick and all that kind of stuff. And you really definitely um, you do personify that Rocky uh, theme that you had mentioned earlier on. So I got nothing but love and respect for what you've done. And uh, as a fan, I do appreciate it. Uh, thank you, thank you very much. It means a lot coming from from you, not just that you say as a fan, but I know you know everything that you've done, you know that you you've done in this business and you still are doing for this business and in this business, and uh, that's uh, that's a huge compliment. You know, I'm very very uh, grateful. I'm very happy to hear that from you. You know, that's. Uh, It's really cool, and uh, Mike, I don't want to leave you out of the equation here. You know, and, uh, you've been like a, a, a gr you've been great at you know interacting with me and Mikey, and uh, uh, I'm happy to get to know you also tonight, and maybe be part of a another show another time. We'll we'll, we'll let things evolve and see uh, how everything goes for a little while, and then when something pops out. Uh, and it's worth talking about it. I'll be glad to uh, to be your guest. The uh, the invitation is always open for you, my friend. Whenever you want to, we'll be here. Ah, uh, cool. And when when it's gonna be something big, for sure, I'll be worth it. You know, and uh, and that's it. You know, I, well, yes. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Guys, once again, Pierre Carl Ouellette, he is not human. He is a wrecking machine, and he is uh, an icon in wrestling. Follow him on all the social media platforms before. He is now on TikTok, which does surprise <laughs> me, but you know what? Life's all about surprises. You can follow him on Twitter as well, and all of them are super easy. It's PCO is not human, so you can't forget that. Uh, definitely follow him. Check out all of the new episodes that are coming out each and every Monday. PCO, thank you so much for your time. We do appreciate it, and we'll definitely talk to you down the road, my friend. All right. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Bye, Pierre. Bye. All Bye. right. That is uh, that is part two of PCO. Well, I didn't fucking segue or anything. I'm trying to talk to you a little bit, chit-chat, about talking how we're going to close this fucking episode, and you no, just go right to it. Not. Like, you're full of like, shit. No, you're full of shit. Not. Don't even give me this, I'm going to segue, or I'm going to chit-chat with you 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 had nothing in the can you had I nothing thought, prepared i thought after we recorded the open yeah. there'd be like a stop and then we chit chat a little bit like you had you say fucking call our spots you know i appreciate the fact that you're trying to call it the ring i thought there would have been a little bit of a leeway between ending ending the open and then starting the close i thought there would have been a little something between that you and i would talk about just like hey you know i think that was good or that was like i always say that was the shits The four people that listen are not going to give a flying fuck. But no, you had to go right to like close the open and then right to the close. Yeah, I'm just I'm uh, I'm a professional, right? Your your attempts to try to be professional is fucking me up. This is I did I thought we flow we we are smooth. We did like, flow, but you're going to edit, so I thought there could be a little chip chat between. Like I didn't okay. think I had to go right from one to the other. I I thought you know what. I might as well not let Mikey cool off because once he's off of his high and he cools off, then I get grouchy, Mikey, and then he goes to look for food. So I have to strike while the iron's let's, hot. Let's let's talk about the new iTunes reviews. Oh wait, there are none because it's only been fucking three minutes. 
I wasn't even going to bring that up. Two shout-outs. Well, we can't see shout-outs because the same thing we talked about last week has contributed absolutely nothing in the week in between that we know about unless we're some sort of fucking fortune-telling. So we can't do fucking shout-outs either. We're not going to talk about fucking T-shirts because, well, nobody fucking buys them. Yes, they do. People buy the T-shirts. People buy the T-shirts, and I have it for a fact. Someone has bought a T-shirt, and they tagged you. I do apologize at the moment here. Just the simple fact that I'm... uh, it's well, 2.30 we'll in the morning. We've been recording for fucking five hours. Ah, nothing to fucking say. There I am on the That's good. Twitter feed with my Shiny Wizard podcast. Yeah, let's oh, talk. Here. Hey, here let's we go. Here hey, we go. Listen. Hey, no. hey, hey, I know for a fact. I know for yeah. a fucking 100% cannot be debated fact <laughs> that you're wearing the <laughs> same shirt you were wearing last week and you have not watched it in between episodes. <laughs> I have fabrized myself. I will admit that. You've been wearing that shirt for a fucking week. Which really is only five hours, but hey, who fucking knows? Once again, fuck storyline. Completely screw it. You know what? I do want to say something to someone who's a great listener of the show. It's uh, Pat Hall. And that's at Coach Pat Hall. Well, Mikey, if you would pay attention, he went ahead and got a Mikey Wreck shirt. Oh, he did? Yes, he just did. Where's my money? You sack of shit. July 17th, 2020, he posted it at 4.01 p.m. Where's my money? First of all, shouldn't you say something to Pat? Shouldn't you say, hey, Pat Hall? Thanks, man. Really appreciate that. Pat Hall, nice shirt. Where's my money? You are fucking something. I don't even believe this shit. Oh, I thought there was going to be a little dialogue in between the blows and the open. You, you, no, don't even patronize me. Well, when you're going, we're not going live to tape. There's editing going on. So I figured we could have had a little fucking conversation. But fuck what, off. Not, not, you, what were we going to discuss? What were we going to discuss? Tell me. What were we going to talk about? Tell me right now. Throw it out. Pitch it to me. What were we going to chit-chat about? I said, hey, I think that was good. You think it was good? Should we do it over or should we keep it? No, you said fuck. Fuck. I know you. I know you. You, you. you don't know me for sure. Oh, like, I know you. you. professional <laughs> podcast. Oh, That's how you want to roll? I can roll like that, too. We'll keep it strictly business. Are you finished? Seriously? There'll be no queen, no, no, none of that shit. There'll be no what? None of that shit. I couldn't hear you. What did you say? What do you mean you didn't hear me? You said there'll be no, and then you just cut out. There'll be none of that shit. Nothing. None, none of shit. what there'll shit? None of what shit? Good chat, nothing. We're going to come on. We're going to start the fucking call. Live to tape. And then we'll fucking finish. That's it. So it'll be... Okay, so it'll be like a divorce meeting with an attorney, right? Just keep it professional. Yeah, I don't I don't need a fucking text message during the week. How you doing, buddy? So, well, apparently you don't give a fuck. Wow. Wow. You know, I used to think we were like a twist cone. And a lot of people know a twist cone is a combination of vanilla and chocolate, which is my favorite soft-serve ice cream. And we are just that interwoven when it comes to working together. That man, one lick, take well. Okay, maybe the ice cream thing's not the greatest example. But the point is that we are like yin and yang, right? We work together really well. So I figured, you know what? It is getting a little late. I know Mikey probably needs to take a shower, make some chicken parm, go go have some cuties or something. So I'm going to try to expedite this so I can let him move on with his evening. Now you all of a sudden want to have small talk? I just wanted to make sure the fucking take was good. Did That's you all. like? Did you? Well, what the oh, fuck Jesus. is so hard about that? 
No, it's not. There's nothing wrong with it. I don't have a problem uh, with it. Putting a promo, and you cut a promo, and you're putting a promo in your big match at the ECW arena. La 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 la. This Saturday night. You stop, and you go. How was it? Was that good? Should I do another one? Was that cool? I'm having a fucking arch. I'm fucking bad now. I can't get the fucking bag open. I'm one take Mike. That's all I'm going to say. I'm going to leave it at that. One trick, Mike? What? That's enough. Guys, thank you so much for listening to the False Finish. We hope you have a wonderful weekend. Cruise on over to Pro Wrestling Tees. Buy either a Jerry Lynn shirt or an FRM pod shirt. Not going to promote Mikey Whipwreck shirt because he doesn't want to. Pat Hall is the man. Pat Hall looks like he's excited. He's happy. He's repping it out right there. Love me some some coach at home. Is it a drop pie shirt? No, it's not a drop pie shirt. It's a Mikey logo shirt. Okay. Well, the Mikey logos also looks like the fucking drop pie thing. Thanks a lot, Jerry. Why do you... And what's with fucking Meanie and Shirtoff every fucking week at the beginning? Talking about having to get a cup of sugar and fucking drop pie. I mean, that's how he feels. He's trying to be fucking witty. He is. I mean... He's kind of a big deal. I mean, seriously, let's think about it here. He's got his own cartoon. He and Josh Chernoff are killing it in the podcast world. Eh, Just saying. No, it's going good. I like the Mikey logo shirt. I don't think it looks like a drop pie. No, the fucking drop pie, motherfucker. The drop pie shirt. The pie is a Mikey logo. Look at it. Oh, no, I've seen it. I've seen it completely. I know. That's what I'm talking about. Oh, I... I thought you were talking about the Mikey logo shirt. My bad. You need to you need to be more specific when you speak. You speak in generalities. It's two thirty in the morning. I gotta be up in three hours. Alright, well how should we let's let's take it to the close. You ready? Well you're asking that's me you're asking me if pod- start now? When I asked you if we you went right into it. So you had zero fucks about what I thought. Now all of a sudden I thought I was leading. I thought I was leading. That's the way it, I thought it typically goes. <sighs> Through the fucking clothes. Thanks See? for listening. Every fucking week. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you. Guys, have a great Friday. Have a great weekend. Mikey, say goodbye to everybody. Well, have a great Wednesday, but you're welcome. Can't even get that right. Day of the goddamn week. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? The false finish airs on Wednesday. She said, have a great Friday, even though this is Wednesday. Oh, so I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Go fuck off. God damn it. See, you got me all fucked up now. See, there you go. Have a Everybody have a happy Wednesday. Wednesday. I did it. Don't worry about it. That's what I'm here for, to clean up a mess. Brian Blair, <laughs> you're no good son of a bitch. You're worse than Michael Jordan, Michael Jackson. I put you to camel clutch. Break your back. Fuck your ass and make you come there. A shining wizard shirt on your back for a fucking 75 weeks. I take it off now. I take it. Shove it up your ass like a Bex beer bottle. Motherfucker. <laughs> the world of NLW radio never stops.